Tonight, New York gubernatorial candidate Larry Sharp joins us to discuss his vision for public education. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Thank you so much for joining us. No, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. So if anyone hasn't been keeping up, uh, you are currently running for governor of New York State. And in 2016, you were, let me see if I can get this straight, the candidate for the Libertarian Party's vice presidential nominee. Well, the Libertarian Party works a bit different than uh, most parties in that the Libertarian Party doesn't just allow the president to pick their, their running mate. The Libertarian Party does two separate elections for their president and vice president. And Gary Johnson, along with about four others, ran for the presidency. And Gary Johnson won in our convention, and that's why he was a nominee. I ran at our convention for the VP slot, and I lost. Bill Weld was a nominee. I was number two by only 32 votes. Not that I'm counting. I'm not counting. <laughs> saying 32 votes. All right. Well, for people who haven't been keeping up with your career, and I've been watching a ton of interviews with you. I've seen you on Joe Rogan. You, your team has been doing great, really booking you places to get your message out there. But for, for well, anyone as who's... a third party, we don't get traditional media, right? right? And most third parties make a mistake and they try to beg the traditional media to pick them up. And they don't. They don't care. The traditional media is much more about the establishment and they constantly support the establishment. 2016 taught them how they're becoming more and more relevant, but they haven't figured it out yet. So they're still fighting and holding on as best they can to be relevant. And they're not realizing that non-traditional media is actually what's pushing people now, particularly those under 40, heavily those under 30. But even under 40, it's heavily pushing them. And that's what you're finding. So I knew that already. I listened and I watched what 2016 taught me. So I'm literally spending most of my time with non-traditional media and it's working. And how do you think that approach, I guess, factors into your background, the focus on non-traditional media? Because if you look at your background, you are you definitely aren't what people would call a career politician, far from it. So how would you say that your background and uh, I believe it is business has influenced the way that you're looking at politics in your campaign right now? Two aspects. Number one, in business, particularly small business, particularly that there are two things to remember. You can't just make money. It doesn't happen that way. You, you don't just go, well, my program isn't working, so I'll just tax people more. You can't do that. You've got to take what you have, create more value so that more people want to come into your business. You want to make happier customers. That's why I think about government the same thing, right? I can't just say, I'm going to tax more, which is what we all do. We talk about funding or investing. And what that actually means in government is more taxpayer dollars. I'm thinking, how do I take what I have right now and then make more with it so that I can have happier customers, in this case, happier citizens. And if you notice all of my plans, none of them include random taxing. They include taking what we already have, using it better and more efficiently, which goes to the second piece, which is in business, you have to be able to innovate. If you don't innovate, you die. That's what you do, you have to innovate. I know that in business, there's, there's a, basically a formula. The formula is, it is basically uh, a personal freedom plus accountability plus transparency equals innovation. And all the bigger companies and larger successful companies that are making uh, innovation, those that are doing it, are using that model. It's post-industrial leadership, which is what I've been teaching. It's what I teach when I go to college, and when I teach in colleges, it's what I teach when I go to companies. I'm teaching the idea of post-industrial leadership, and that is leadership after you have to add AI and technology in, which means it's all about innovation and communication. So yes, I think it's, it's right in line with what I'm doing. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned innovation and transparency because something that you had a really great conversation with Joe Rogan about was public education. And I think if we look yes. at the ways that state government specifically affects people's lives, public education is kind of way up there. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the official platform of the Libertarian Party as kind of ironic as, as that may sound, um, is th- they're not for public education. Now, you've you've got a little bit of a different twist on things that's still uh, very much not in line with the status quo of how things are. So why don't you give us, and I'm sure there's this is a plan that could be talked about for hours, if not more. Hours. Uh, but hours. what's your general approach to, you, to that? Yeah, I'll be good to you. So no, wouldn't it be amazing when I win this thing, Joe Rogan is a kingmaker. <laughs> Who would have thought that was true, right? So, so yes. Who affected the election? Was it the Russians? No, it was Joe Rogan. I love it. Um, let's let's hope that's the uh, the issue. The education program, yes. Um, I'm I'm all about doing things that are more efficient, doing things that are better, that will cost less money and have better results. That's what I'm all about. Again, that's my small business mindset. So right now, I want to make sure that education's changed tremendously. It, it can't just be let's give more money. Right now, New York State spends about twenty two thousand dollars per kid per year and we're 37th in the country. Yeah, that's that's horrible, that should not exist. So we have to change it. The answer for the Republican and Democrat is, you gotta fund more, give more. The Democrat, our governor actually saying literally, what we should do is we should take non-teachers and have them teach current teachers how to teach better. I'm not making that up, that's literally his platform right now. So what he's saying by default is, teachers aren't good enough. Why in the world do they actually support him? I have no idea what a union supports him in any way, shape, or form. He, he's an embarrassment for them and nothing but a bad idea. Here's the answer. Number one, get rid of all standardized testing prior to high school. Why? Standardized testing is an unfair way of grading teachers. It's an unfair way of rewarding schools. It makes kids who are 8, 10, 12 years old feel stupid if they can't test well. So now all of a sudden you have an underclass of students and it is absolutely no indication of success at that age at all. It has no actual value. Now, at high school, it can. So at high school, there are some value, right? If you have standardized testing in high school, it can help you to decide where you're going in life, what are you good at, right, are you better right. at math, are you better at science. So there's value in high school. There's no value in elementary school, junior high school at all, zero. What happens when, when that happens? Well, one, one, for, one thing is in New York State, we'll lose Common Core. Eh, I don't care. Good. Let it go away. Second thing is we'll lose federal funding. Federal funding in New York State is about $4 billion. You might go, oh my God, $4 billion, that's so much. It's not. New York State's budget on education is $60 billion. That's more than most states' entire budget. And that's just our education budget. So $4 billion, not so crazy. But anyway, keep that number in mind. Once we lose that $4 billion, we will also lose all the strings attached to that. And there are hundreds and hundreds of strings attached to that, which means administrators. The average teacher in New York makes about $80,000 per year. The average administrator makes over 100000 Some make two, three, four dollars $400,000 per year. So if we all of a sudden get rid of a couple of those administrators, we can easily hire two or three teachers, raises, more computers, whatever the case may be. We can, we can make that happen either way. We can make a lot of uh, good things happen in a local school district. But I'm still not done. Keeping that in mind, also K through 12 is an anachronism. It should not exist anymore. We should do K through 10. For far too many kids, far too many, 11th and 12th grade is gym, study hall, video games, and smoking weed. And that is a waste of their time and energy, a waste of their innovation, a waste of their emotion, a waste of every all their things that they're, they're so good at, we're throwing it all away. And how do we know this? Because for most kids, the first year of college is 13th grade. They are literally just revamping everything. It's remedial education because they didn't do anything in the last two years of high school. And they have bad study habits. What does that mean? 
six years for the average kid to graduate college. Six is the average if they even graduate college. So now you got a 24-year-old kid who's never had a job and wonder, why does he have no work ethic? Maybe because we set it up that way? Could be that. Or worse, he goes through college because we've told him this lie. And the lie is the only way to have success in life is to have a, you know do very well in high school and in New York State, get a Regents diploma and then go off and get a college degree. And that's how you have a great life. That's a lie. That's been a lie for decades. And we're still preaching it and we're still talking it and saying education is the answer for everything. It isn't. That is only one way to success. Mm -hmm. For some kids, that's exactly the right answer. But not for all. At all. It just simply isn't. We should stop telling that lie because now you've got too many kids who go through that because they're told that's the right answer. And when they do it, they're now 24 years old. They've got $100,000 in debt, a degree that has no value and can only have a job at Starbucks. Right. Now, not that and that I'm, job at Starbucks I'm is a bad someone idea. Who I that's really... not $100,000 in debt. I really like the idea of putting more emphasis on trade schools because we need that. Yes. And you're right, not everyone needs to go to college. But um, what you're talking about is actually very similar to something we have in Quebec, which is where I grew up partially where I was born, right? We have until grade 11 is high school, then we have two years of what's essentially college, we call it SAGEP, and then university programs are three years. Now yep. that's had varying, uh, I guess, results. But in the American situation particularly, what would you say to people who look at high school graduates and say, all right, you know, these kids can't really read and write or do math uh, in, in terms of an international standard, right? U.S. test results are notoriously low in the developed world. Yep. Do we really need even two years less of schooling? How far behind will those people be uh, concerning the global job market and just skills in general? Yeah, good point. Uh, two things. As I mentioned, at 16, you have a couple of options. Um, op you have, you, option one, if you think that college is right for you, go to a prep school. Go to a two-year prep school so that you're prepared for college. So if you need to be doing advanced math or advanced anything, you'll be ready for it. Right, The prep school will prep you for it. Now you get into college and you're ready to go. Maybe you can graduate in three years, take advantage of internships, incubators. So the person who needs a college education will be able to take it, get it earlier, and take advantage of things other than just college, meaning side jobs and actual experience to let you know what you actually need. So that's step one. But you decide, you know what? I don't want to do that because I'm the super smart kid. I'm the super smart kid who takes SATs and scores very well and can take all these tests. Take your SAT now, take two years, Go get an associate's degree. Get a two-year degree at 16. Why not? When you're 18, you got a two-year degree. You're going to go get your master's anyway. Start early. So now I've given kids two different options right there. Now another option. I want to be a tradesperson. I'm going to be a tradesman. Good. New York State is dying for tradespeople. We, our tra average tradesperson is, is over 50 years old. That's bad for an average age. We want to make sure the average is more like 30, 35. Right? We have a big problem with that. So go to trade school. Right, do that. Become a plumber, become a, an HVAC person, whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you feel good. Now you're 18, and depending upon what you're doing, you either have a license or you're ready for an apprenticeship. Also good either way. Now you say, but Larry, these people need to add or subtract or whatever. You'll learn all those skills in your two years. I don't know what math skills a plumber needs versus a scientist needs. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. But guess what? The schools will, and so will the kids. How do we know? Because kids will be picking those schools based upon what results they will get. So the schools will know what level of math and science and English and history or whatever is required for whatever fields they want to go into. That's what I want to do. But let's say you don't want any of that. You just want to go to work. Great. You're 16. Go to work. Go to work. Learn what it means to have a boss. Learn a work ethic. I am more concerned about the American work ethic than I am at whether they know common core math. Mm -hmm. right? the, the people I'm talking to all the time do the same thing. Larry, I will hire anybody with a work ethic. 
Larry, I would expand my business, but I can't find talent. Let that be the issue. That's the number one issue that we have to worry about. Now, to be clear, how do we pay for this? We pay for this in a very simple way. When I was a Marine, I got a Marine Corps, I got a GI Bill, which said you have X dollars and X number of years to use it, and Y number of years to use it. Same idea, $20,000, seven years to use it, good luck. What's gonna happen? Immediately, you're gonna find prep schools pop up. Guess how much they're gonna cost? $20,000 a year. Why? It's guaranteed government money. The New York State Constitution says I have to pay for grades one through 12, so I will, I'm paying for it, it's there. Go ahead and enjoy, you get it, go. Not just that, I don't wanna be built, because banks will give loans. Why will banks give loans? Guaranteed government money. What do banks love more than anything? Guaranteed government money. There's nothing bankers love more than that. So I'm giving them that, there will be loans, these schools will pop up, it's how it works. But here's the issue. We're paying $20,000 for two years, which is $10,000 per year per student for these last two years. Now the average says 22,000. We're saving $12,000 per year. There are about 400,000 11th and 12th graders in New York State. That's over $4 billion. That covers our federal funds right then and there, covered, absolutely, and still providing surpluses, and making happier kids, and making happier students, and, and making happier uh, teachers, because the kids are going where they want to go, in the classes they want to be in. Teachers are teaching kids who, are, who have, a, uh, they have a classroom full of kids who want to be there. It gives us more community, more purpose, less kids screwing around, less kids getting bullied, less kids you know, want to do violent things about other kids. It's win, 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 and the best part is, if we end the Board of Regents, which right now in New York State decides all these things, then the actual schools will actually teach what the market wants mm -hmm. to be forward. I don't actually care about our international standards. I care that when our kids get out of whatever school they choose, they get to go where they want to go to be happy. How will I know that? Because the schools will be uh, won't have to worry about the Board of Regents. They'll worry about what the local people want in getting new new uh, new blood right into and their I, fields. I just want to stop you on the issue of funding for a bit now I know when you're on Joe Rogan the issue of funding came up the fact that you wanted to lower uh, spending in schools he wasn't happy with that as someone who thinks that you know it's not a direct causation between spending more money and getting results uh, I'm, I'm not gonna you know I, I accept that but I guess the more traditional conservative Republican approach to schools when it comes to funding is the whole idea of charter schools right make schools mm -hmm. compete for stunning uh, funding uh, by letting the money follow where the students want to enroll don't so make doing. students beholden to certain districts is that what would happen and under your system would parents be able to pick and choose what schools they go to or would they still be subject to the same i guess restrictions of where they live 11 and 12th grade go where you want to go but not okay. earlier than that. Go. but not earlier than that earlier i'm going to actual the local school district decide you want to be within your local school district you can decide how you want to decide my my goal here in this my funding when it comes to local is very different also Right now, a lot of our funding actually comes from the local school districts, local, basically locally property tax, basically. Um, it's called school tax, but it's basically property tax. And, and about, if I remember the numbers right, about 30, about 25 billion, I think, comes from the counties out of our 60. I think that's about right. Oh, 20 billion, sorry, I think 20 billion, I think that's right, comes out of our, 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 um, our local counties. That I want to phase out immediately. As soon as I can phase that out, as quick as possible. Within four years, help within two or three years, just totally phase it out to where instead what's happening is we're getting a flat fee that comes directly from the state. You have X number of kids, here is your money. Let's figure this thing out. I want transparency and I want innovation. I don't want to force charter schools. I don't want to stop them either. Mm -hmm. I want the local districts to decide what makes the most sense. If we improve public education, the need for charter schools should go away. It might not, and I'm okay if it does or doesn't. My goal is I don't want the state deciding. 
I want the I want the local municipalities to figure out what's going on, the local districts to figure out what's going on. The innovation we've been trying from the state has been failing for years. I'll go further, failing for decades. New, uh, Rochester School District in upstate New York has some of the worst schools in the entire nation, not just my state, the entire nation. You tell me charter schools is the answer? Okay, show it to me. I'm okay. All I'm saying is I don't want to control. My issue is transparency. Let the districts figure out what's going on. Let everybody watch. And I'll give you an example. I actually had uh, someone call me in when I was in a radio show. Uh, call me when I was in a radio show. And the, the woman was a teacher. And she said, Larry, we have a problem. And I said, okay, what's your problem? She said, I have kids who are four and five years old coming into our district new. They don't know anything. They have no idea what they're doing. And they, they, they don't know numbers, colors, nothing. I said, wow, it's terrible. What can we do? She said, I want to pay the parents. I thought, pay the parents? She goes, yeah, I want to pay them 50 or 100 bucks if, they, if their kids pass the test. That's what they, the, kid, the parents will want to teach the kids before they get to school. And I thought to myself, what a terrible idea. Bribing parents? That's terrible. That's what I thought. And then I told her, look, under my system, when you get your money, if your school district thinks that's the right answer to spend their money, let them spend it. Mm -hmm. They can decide. Up to them. And she goes, and I thought to myself, I don't like the idea. But guess what? I'm the only guy saying let teachers teach. I'm the only guy saying local control. And then I give it to them because here's what's true. I could be wrong. That might be a magical, awesome idea that will work and fix everything. I don't know. Let it go. Give them a shot. Why? It's one district out of hundreds. If they want to give it a shot, guess what? Other people, other districts are thinking the same thing. If it fails, now no one does it. We know it doesn't work. If it works, others can copy it if they like. And it's funny, a woman later told me this. She goes, Larry, you don't understand. I've been working with the school districts. This may be a good idea. I said, why? It sounds terrible. She said, no, you don't understand how much money we spend on remedial education. This actually might be cheaper. And I went, oh, mm. maybe I'm wrong. And, and that's my entire point. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. If we have hundreds of school districts and each of them is trying something new, as long as we're transparent, we're going to get a better system. That's mm -hmm. how it works. And when it comes to transparency and... I guess local community control, we would totally be missing the mark on education if we didn't at least discuss teachers unions, and especially yes. when it comes to a state like New York. If a, let's say, charter school, even a local school were to decide that, hey, we don't think teachers need to be unionized, maybe we want to hire some teachers that aren't part of a union, what, what would be your stance on that? Because that's been a really hot debate in other, other states previously, places like Wisconsin, under their, uh, their governor. So what would be your approach there? As I say all the time, unions are part of our constitution, they're the First Amendment, they're basically freedom of speech plus freedom of association. I have no problem with unions, I think unions are great, and there are a lot of people who just won't be able to negotiate well on their own, and they require a collective bargaining. Totally fine with that. At the same time, I'm totally happy with the Janus decision. If, if you don't want to be part of a union, you shouldn't. And mm -hmm. if you're not part of a union, that's a separate contract that you negotiate with that school separately. You don't get all the benefits that the union gets unless the school wants to give you those benefits. Absolutely. No, I, I think you, you don't get the benefits of a union unless you join a union. And I think in the long run, what's going to happen is right now, unions spend about 90% of their time with 10% of their bad apples. And that should be reversed, right? That should be reversed. And I think with the Janus decision, that's going to happen. I also don't doubt that there's going to become multiple unions which would also be a good idea, too, because unions will compete to support their people better. And they should. Unions should support all teachers better. And they don't, to be forward. Most unions don't support the 90% as well as they support the 10% of the bad apples. So I think that will begin to happen. If a school decides to not have unions have unions, I'm okay with that. Make Unions, unions will help teachers better, teachers will join a union, and they won't be able to get enough teachers. I'm fine with that. The best teachers, in my perfect world, the best teachers will all decide to be unionized. 
that would be awesome. And if they do, unions would be powerful. And that's awesome. I have no problem with unions at all. I, I, you don't have to be part of a union. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to stop you and I'll openly support unions. I'm the only one saying I will openly negotiate with every single union, happily, transparently. Let's talk this out. You support your members and I'll support you. Yes. Right. So you would be, I guess, interested in making New York a right to work state then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, of course, whatever. I mean, look, if whatever, whatever, whatever is going to make everyone or as many people as possible happy is what I'm trying to achieve. That's my number one thing, because my biggest problem in New York state is I have over 100,000 New Yorkers leaving every single year. That's my biggest problem of everything else. And I go back to my business world. I got customers bailing on me like there's no tomorrow. I've lost over a million New Yorkers in the last eight years since His Majesty King Andrew II has, has ascended the throne. Over a million. That would crush most states except California, obviously. They've got more than us even. But my point is I can't have that continue. They're voting with their feet. My number one issue is stop the bleeding. That's my number one issue. You can sit there and go, oh, but libertarian is libertarian that. I got a state that's bleeding out. Let me stop the bleeding. That's what I want to do. I want to stop the bleeding. The rest is secondary. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for coming to talk with us about this. For people who want to stay up to date with what you're doing and polls are coming straight up, uh, where can they find you? What can they do to support you if they want? Absolutely. Remember, it's LarrySharp.com or Larry Sharp for New York. If you want to support the cause, if you like what I'm saying, if you want your uh, government officials to be more like this, if you want to be more open, you want to use, you want to use non-traditional media, you want to be able to ask them questions directly, you've got to support the campaign. And I need one or two things from you, either time or money. Both are great. Either be that keyboard warrior and let people know what's going on, or click on LarrySharp.com slash donate and put some money in. Every dollar you put in is going to go towards advertising for Tuesday's election. That's what we're working on, advertising for Tuesday's election. We are doing well. And it's Larry Sharp with an E, and the E stands for electable. (laughs) All right. And again, thank you so much. 